When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Nathan, on this episode of TFL Talking Trucks podcast, I want to do the ultimate full-size SUV buyer's guide. Crazy thing is people thought that full-size SUVs were going away, and it's not the case. They're actually hitting really hard, and there's lots of stuff coming right down the road. Yeah, so how about this, dude? Uh, recently, Jeep and Wagoneer brand, uh-huh. um, they have a new online configurator where you can get all the options, look at all the pricing. For the Grand Wagoneer. And regular Wagoneer, because ah. there's two different models. Okay. So I thought, you know, why don't we just build a couple of them? Sure. You know, configure them online with you guys right here. Yeah, and if you're listening, we'll talk you through it. Yes, exactly. And then also uh, talk about what, what else it com- the new Wagoneer competes against, right? Right, and these are all truck-based SUVs. In other words, there's a frame underneath them. They are not front-wheel drive or anything like that. No. These are trucks. And the cool thing is there's lots of stuff coming. Yes, and we're talking, of course, Tahoe, Expedition, Armada, Sequoia, and luxury versions of those. Indeed, and and the possibility of electrification. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, so let's, let's do a kind of, you know, and I want to dig a little deeper. You know, pricing, we'll have pricing, engines, yeah. power, options, all that stuff. We're not playing around, folks. We're going to do this seriously. And then we can drop some rumors. Yes, that's that's my favorite stuff. I love <laughs> okay. doing that. All right, so dude, um, so 2022 Jeep Wagoneer. By the way, uh, it's a Jeep. Yes, but it's not a Jeep. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that if you actually look at the Wagoneer or its Grand Wagoneer Big Brother, it doesn't really say Jeep anywhere on it. And if you look at the website, even though it's under the Jeep uh, umbrella, nothing on the vehicle indicates that it's a Jeep product. Yeah. So and there's and there's a reason for that. Yeah. I think. Uh, what Jeep is doing here is the Wagoneer brand is going to be their premier luxury uh, SUV brand. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got some pretty heavy-duty prices. Yes. And the regular... So, here's the thing. Originally, when the rumor of the Wagoneer, you know, came out Mm -hmm. years ago, I thought the Wagoneer is going to be like a Tahoe. Yeah. And the Grand Wagoneer is going to be suburban. I kind of thought the same thing. You and I were actually talking about that a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. But they're the same length. Yeah. So, and the Grand Wagoneer is just grand because it's got luxury. It's not size grand. There's a lot going on. So, yeah. why don't we uh, go right into it and talk about what's going on behind you. If you're not uh, watching, uh, behind Andre is a large television screen. And on that screen, he has from his computer exactly what he's looking at, which is, in this case, the configurator for the Grand Wagoneer. 
And it looks like we're looking at a Series 2 and a Series 3. Yeah. So uh, how about this? Um, let's build one of the most affordable Wagoneers okay. first. And then uh, talk about a couple of options. And then move to the Grand Wagoneer. And we can build it far into the six-digit territory. What's crazy is that I'm looking at a price right now. And it looks like on screen $68,950. Sorry, $68,590. Uh, that's before destination charges. And that's the 4x2 base model. Yes. Holy cow. That's so a lot. that's almost, it's about 19000 or about $20,000 more than the starting price of a two wheel drive Tahoe. Right. So the Wagoneer is not really direct Tahoe or Expedition competitor. Not price wise, it, but look at the higher level ones. Yeah, it's more of a kind of a. Uh, maybe even Infinity QX80. Right there at about the same price. Yeah, Lincoln Navigator and on and on. Yeah, so what we're looking at here is basically a $70,000 entry-level price. Hmm. So let's look at that and let's build this thing and try to keep it as affordable as possible. Yeah, let's do it. So, so what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to paint it white, which is $0. Am I correct? Yeah, so, um, so five colors are available uh -huh. right off the bat for the Wagoneer. And let's talk about the chassis just for a second, right? It's frame-based, but it's a four-corner independent suspension, right? which is where all the pretty much every full-size SUV is going. Yeah, right? I don't know of any that have a solid rear axle other than which just disappeared, the Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah, maybe the Lexus, the current Lexus Alex yeah. has it, et cetera, et cetera. But, but the brand new generation, like the Tahoes, the Expeditions, they're all independent suspension. That is correct. Which means they're more comfy, right? Well, they also have a better road ride and they handle a little bit better. That's according to the automakers. A lot of guys will debate that. Uh, the question, of course, always is, can it tow as much and is it as capable yeah. off-road? And also uh, what that does for you when you remove the solid axle and go kind of to independent rear suspension, it creates a little bit more space inside, which right. is important for uh, the customers because this is three-row SUV, right? Uh, it could be eight or even potentially, uh, in some of these cases, nine per passenger, right? right. Or seven, depending on seven your Seven is, is like sort of the common number. Yeah, and... Um, Lots of cargo space, gigantic towing ratings, and we'll go over that in a second. Right. So let's build this one. So um, it's available in five colors, and for some reason, um, most of the colors are actually an additional charge. So if you want the base model Wagoneer, you have to pick a white exterior color. It doesn't look too bad in white, um, although you lose a lot of the character lines on the side, and it looks kind of Tahoe-ish to me. Now... Uh, Andre, the frame itself is derived from the Ram, am I correct? Yeah, the Ram 1500. Right. So With some should, alterations. Yes, and you know that means you have kind of a similar gross vehicle weight and payload categories, uh -huh. and they can tow. These vehicles uh, with a big V8 can tow up to 10,000 pounds. Which at is least. pretty damn, that's almost, is that class that's leading? That's class leading, yeah, yes. That, that's a lot. Um, which that's what we that's haven't, we okay. haven't tested that yet. No, we haven't. That's exactly no, where we I was going to go with that. Hell yeah, we will. And yeah. fortunately, we're, we have a decent enough relationship with Stellantis where we are able to get their vehicles pretty quickly. So that's a good thing. So let's look at this thing. Um, it looks like the wheels that you're looking at that are standard are 20-inch, and it looks like there's an upcharge for the 22-inch wheels. Yeah, so let's stay with 20s. You know, Hell we're, yeah. We're going to be modest, okay? We're modest with 20-inch wheels. Very modest. There was so, a time when 20-inch wheels, my friend, were like, oh my God, that is massive. What are you doing? Now they're way above that. That is a beautiful interior. So if you're not watching, Andre just went into the interior view, which is 
it really is very pleasing to the eye the way they design it. It is, and this is what Stellantis and FCA and you know Chrysler and Jeep and Ram have been doing for years. Beautiful interiors, right? Yeah, which they used to be last. Now they're really first on a lot of their interior design, and a lot of their materials are quite nice. And I'm pretty sure we're talking about a pretty nice setup for the base base model, seventy thousand dollar vehicle. So what are the options inside? It looks like two different colors. Yeah, so you can have kind of a dark Napa leather interior or something they call standard, which actually adds a little bit of color with kind of I a would I would go grayish. standard, yeah. especially because my kids are now grown up where they won't spill all over the place. So yeah. it's, it's, it's the standard color, if you're not watching, is sort of a, a mix between white. It's a little off-white. I would say it's kind of got a little gray. Almost grayish leather, yeah. yeah, which actually adds color to the interior and makes it a little it, bit more inviting, I it think. It brightens it up. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. So one is a little bit more business, I guess. Okay, so what else is our so choices? Next up is in the center. Of course, you had um, you have your new dial transmission shifter, mm-hmm. which Ram and some other vehicles have had. Yeah, so you rotate it to go to drive, park, blah, 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 blah. and in reverse. Uh, but above it is a screen, which is in this case because this is more of a standard. Uh, a little bit more affordable Wagoneer. It's a 10.1 infotainment screen, 10.1 okay. inch. That's a pretty decent size, but yeah, it's already pretty good. Yeah. Um, of course, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, everything is there. They're actually showing some of those features here, and UConnect Five is now available and standard okay. on this Wagoneer, which is the latest kind of highest speed, the most crisp system. Uconnect has so far proven itself to be a pretty good system for almost every vehicle it's in because it's very easy to use. Compared to a lot of the competitors out there, it's actually won a few uh, awards, and partially because it's just logical. But, you know, it's not perfect. And then uh, there's an option here that I, w- I just wanted to mention. They have this thing where the passenger, the front passenger, can have their own screen. Ah. And it's called Front Passenger Interactive Display. How much is it? Um, it's $1,195. So that's money I'm saving because I'm not giving my wife control. Well, Sorry. but it's entertainment. In Still a way. Like, I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars. But anyway, it's a kind of a unique feature. Not many vehicles in this class right. have. Right. So, so what it does is it basically right in front of the uh, front passenger, it gives them a screen where they can select different entertainment options. Yeah, and um, maybe even look up you know navigation uh, features and etc. It's one of those screens that's actually a screen behind a screen, so it looks like you won't see it unless you actually turn it on. So that's it's actually really good looking. All right, yeah. continue. So I won't choose that because we're kind of looking, we're looking at, at the cheapest, at, at the most affordable. Most affordable, I should yeah. say, the cheapest. So, so then there is a convenience group here on the Wagoneer, uh, uh, which includes automatic high beams, uh, heads-up display, second-row heated seats, uh, parallel and perpendicular park assist, 360-degree uh, surround camera views. That's about $3,300. Um, there is also a premium group with a panoramic sunroof. Actual yeah. dual sunroof. I mean, there's a panoramic one, right. and then there's additional little tiny one. Yeah, yeah. I've seen other people doing that. So your third row passenger actually has a little sunroof above them. Yeah. And, of course, rear seat entertainment system where each um, behind each front seat, the rear passengers can have their own screens. Is that $3,000? It looks That's like about 2000 Yeah. Okay. And the $3,000 is, of course, that panoramic sunroof. Okay. Um, also includes um, your 22s. Mm, 22-inch wheels. Yeah. I love it when they package stuff like that when you don't want something, but you have to get it anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. Andre, you're in heaven. I just, towing package. <laughs> there's a towing package with yes. tow hooks. Yes. Uh, but they're not, they're not red. Sorry. Oh, no. But they're big. <clears throat> so for nine ninety five, about about $1,000, um, you can get this towing package. They call it heavy-duty towing package. 
and it comes with a 392 rear axle ratio. Mm. And we have to mention the powertrain right now, right? Right. Because this uh, Wagoneer, the base one, comes with a 5.7 liter Hemi V8. That's the same V8 that was in our Ram uh, that we had for about We had the Ram Rebel, yeah. Yeah, and uh, does that have an e-torque, you think? It does. It does. So that's kind of the base motor. Mm -hmm. So the e-torque system is really, you know, start-stop, it smooths out shifting. Right, smooths it gets a little to the nudge yeah. off the line. So uh, um, that's the base powertrain. That's 392 rear axle comes with a heavy-duty towing package. That's a limited slip, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. Electronic rear limited slip. I'll be darned. Yes. That's, uh, I've, uh, that's an interesting thing. So uh, rather than having a locker... The question, of course, is whether that thing can go off-road. That's at least in my book. But I guess if you get this heavy-duty trailer tow package, you're one step closer to having a better off-road vehicle because you have those tow hooks, which are so important to Andre, and because you have the better rear end. I'd rather have the, uh, that 392. <coughs> okay, continue. So, um, by the way... Our, a lot of our viewers have seen Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer prototypes oh, yeah. in Moab, Utah, mm -hmm. and uh, actually approaching and driving over Hell's Revenge, uh, where we recently were with our trucks, yeah. old truck series, so we know exactly how hard that trail is. So we did a series called To Hell and Back, No Payment Needed, and that um, we used three used trucks, and we just kind of wanted to prove that you know, old, beat-up, used trucks are pretty damn good off-road. Indeed, they were. Uh, the series is now on episode three, yes. with episode four coming Sunday. Yeah, yeah, very, very soon. Yeah, yeah. and I think, is that the wrap? That's when we're done. That's the season finale. That is the season it's very finale. very sad. Um, we want your input on that. Uh, this was a difficult series to make. The guys worked really hard. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with other people. Um, I think that no payment needed is, you know, something we could do again. Yeah. Uh, but we want your opinion on that. Anyway, let's continue, though, on the fact that Jeep was there testing these vehicles off-road in some very difficult conditions. Which is pretty impressive that they actually went there because uh, Jeep is known, obviously, as an off-road brand. Right. right? Uh, with their other vehicles and their trail-rated capability, right? Right. So I, I don't know if the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer are going to get that badge because they would have to do the Rubicon. Yeah. Which I don't want to do in a vehicle this large. Every um, vehicle that goes on the Rubicon seems to have some sort of minor scrape minimum uh, or worse. Uh, the whole thing about Jeep and doing the uh, trail-rated badge is the fact that, yeah, they have to be able to handle a course in the Rubicon meaning that they have to have certain numbers. These are approach, departure, and breakover angles. I don't know if this one will do it, but I do know that it is off-road capable, at least the ones they've been testing. Exactly. And once again, uh, the power rating on this V8, this 5.7 liter in the Wagoneer, is a little different than the Ram. Mm. Uh, it's a 392 horsepower and 404 pound-feet of torque. It's an eight-speed automatic. So there you have it, guys. 70 grand. This is a two-wheel drive Wagoneer. If you want a 4x4, you'd have to add about three grand to it. Right. Right. And of course, you can um, equip it in a Series 2 or a Series 3. Do you know where those names are coming from? Is that Wagoneer Past uh, Series designations? The, the Series de designation seems to be a little bit more akin to uh, Land, uh, Land Cruiser or Land Rover, I mean. Yeah, strange. so uh, we'll have to uh, wait, and uh, when we actually drive these for the first time, we'll yeah. have to ask the engineering team yeah, and the marketing team. Names? Yeah, so we'll have to do that. Now, uh, let's quickly, and it won't take long because we're just going to click on everything, let's go to the fully loaded version of the uh, Grand Wagoneer. And 
that one will be four-wheel drive. It'll have every bell and whistle. And I'm guessing we're going to easily break $100,000. Yeah, so as soon as you select Grand Wagoneer, first of all, you have up to four different trim levels within that. Uh-huh. Right? There's a Series 1, Series 2, Obsidian. Obsidian. That's an interesting Obsidian. name. Okay. Um, and Series 3. Series 3 is technically the most high-end option you can get. Okay. All of the Grand Wagoneers will be four-wheel drive. There is no two-wheel drive option. Uh-huh. So don't, don't even ask. So the Obsidian will kind of leave alone. That's kind of a kind of a little bit of a gray uh, a theme, right? To, right. To all so the it's all the color of you know, Obsidian color and all that, I'm guessing. So the Series Three base price is what? I didn't quite catch that. One hundred five nine nine five. That's the base price. That's the base price of the Series Jeez, Three Grand please. Wagoneer. All right. Let's so guys, it. this is going into the Cadillac Escalade territory. Yep. Loaded Lexus LX five seventy. Very loaded Lincoln Navigator. That's the territory that these vehicles are now playing in. Uh, uh, four color choices are available on this model. I'm going. They look you like know, all two tone. Yeah, slightly two tone. Let's go red, dude. Okay, why not TFL oh, red? Oh yes, red and black, and it's immediately rolling on twenty twos. There's no other choice. Okay. Um, you can get twenty twos with little black inserts inside of them for trim. Uh, that's that. another. Yeah, I think it looks cool. Another grand. Uh, I can't stand the tires, but. Well, the tires are very low profile, so this is not the the Hell's Revenge version. <laughs> no. This, well, even the one with the twenty inch wheels, it's just too much for me. Eighteen, seventeen. Give me some meat on the side. Right. So, oh, wow. so the interior is even more beautiful. Yeah, that's uh, like a driftwood, beautiful. It's just it's almost it's, like an oak. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, there's leather Ooh. and wood, and you can get brown leather. Andre is selecting, if, you, if you're not able to watch, selecting through various colors and color combinations inside the cabin. And it is very luxurious looking. All, all of these choices are quite nice. But it looks like at all three choices don't bump up the price. No, and that's kind of a good thing. You know, that's, you know, the price we need to control. You're out over 100 grand. I better yeah. be something standard. Um, so, so 12-inch screen. Now, it used to be 10.1 in the right. wagon here. Now they've upsized the screen. Yeah, but is there a screen below it? Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's going to have like bazillion screens. Yeah. Because the gauge cluster for the driver um, is digital. Uh-huh. Then there is a major main screen for the Uconnect 5 system, which, which is 12-inch. Right. There's a screen below it to control... Um, Climate control, yeah. and then condition. there's a passenger screen on the right, and there's another two screens in the back. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. Right, and they'll probably find a way to find more places for screens. So rear seat entertainment. Um, that's not, you know. Here's the thing, Andre. This thing is already one hundred five thousand dollars. I'm yeah. sorry, but why not add these things as standard? Rear seat entertainment should be standard. I would agree. You okay. know, I selected it and it added about two grand yeah, to the price. Two grand. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket for people who can afford it, but still. And finally, the heavy duty trailer tow package for the Grand Wagoneer. It's also bucks. nine nine five, a thousand bucks. I'm selecting it, yeah. and that's what gives you that ten thousand pound rating, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty nuts. The, so, what's the stand? Oh boy! Oh, can you engine. see that? Yep. This is the big boy, 6.4 liter Hemi V8. Say, what is that? 455, uh, 471 horsepower, 455 pound torque. torque. Yeah. Jeez. So this is the engine, dude. That uh, a lot of us, and you know, the fans, of course, and some of us at TFL, 
have won it in the Ram 1500. Yeah. You know, before the TRX before showed Before the up. TRX, yeah, um, sure. Because this engine is also available in the trucks, actually heavy-duty trucks versions like the Power Wagon. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Ram um, 2500 and 3500. It's available in the SRT versions of like the Jeep um, Grand Cherokee, mm-hmm. the Durango, Dodge Durango. And now it's also available in this configuration in the Grand Wagoneer. So this is their most powerful setup. Uh, it's still hooked up to an eight-speed automatic transmission. I'm guessing it's the heavy, heavier duty one. They, they don't indicate which uh, model it is. But nonetheless, uh, we know for a fact that this is not the world's most economical engine, but it no. has gobs of torque, and it just it lobs away at the highway. You can be going 80 or whatever, and it's just going at you know 2,000 RPM. It's very, very docile until you tell it to wake up. So a couple things, right? Uh, so this one, with almost every option, we're now pushing $110,000. Uh, but this is very interesting, right? This engine we just showed, 471 horsepower, it's more than currently is available in the Cadillac mm-hmm. um, as far as their V8s, right? Um, it's more basically than any other SUV in this class. Currently, yeah. Right, currently. But it's not a high fancy, like electrified, hybrid. It's not turbocharged or supercharged. It's not turbocharged. Either. It's just straight raw Hemi. Yeah. So it's a very unique take on what you can do. It's, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were going through what they were going to put in this vehicle. Because at some point, someone's like, well, we're supposed to electrify and make these vehicles more you know, compliant with you know, no. green. No, no, no. We're putting a big, fat, the largest Hemi we have, we're shoving in there. I'm actually surprised they don't have a version of this running the TRX. Um, so <laughs> okay. it, it, you never know. Okay, so what else do we have here? So, so any- that's almost it. We're almost done. I mean, 110 grand is kind of near the top of this particular vehicle. $110,000. Yeah, and this it. is, you know, a fully loaded uh, Escalade is in the same neighborhood. Right. So, so Jeep is basically saying we're leapfrogging everything with this one. They do have the new Grand Cherokee, which slots in below this, well below this. Yeah, but we're not talking about We're not talking one. about that, but the point is is that this, they're just leapfrogging and they're going all the way. They're aiming for top. We haven't even, in this list, that we don't have a Range Rover, uh, which I'm pretty sure that they'll price. Or Mercedes. Com- or Mercedes, which would be comparable. So that's what they're aiming for. And we'll find out in the near future whether or not they manage to hit the target. It looks good on the inside. So we'll have to wait until we actually get inside. I think Roman's going to have to be the guy who goes in the interior because he's like the fancy guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. No, but um, so, yeah, so this is pretty interesting. And as always, uh, this story is also on tfltruck.com. Right. You can check it out. Um, take a look at some of the options and pricing. And um, so this is the Grand Wagoneer. We hope to drive it soon. Um, it's still not quite on sale yet. You know, it's still coming in the next couple of, couple of months. So let's talk about vehicles that sort of compete with the base model all the way up. Now, we basically mentioned them. So uh, let's throw those prices out there because I'm sure people are curious. The Chevy Tahoe uh, base price is $49,600. The Yukon is $51,000. Ford Expedition is $49,995, which, by the way, comes standard with that really powerful um, twin turbocharged V6. EcoBoost engine, yeah. Uh, Before you move on, uh, I just, obviously, maybe this is obvious, but Chevy Tahoe and the Suburban have been the segment leaders, sales leaders in the segment for years. Yeah. And years and years. Yeah, yeah. They they own the segment, basically. Uh, And and like you said, you know, uh, right on the $50,000 for the Tahoe is a starting price, 
But of course, Tahoe's can get pricey too. Oh, you can get a Tahoe Wellens at seventy thousand dollars with sometimes pushing eighty. Yeah, yeah, with a high country model and a big diesel or a V eight. And that's the little guy. Yeah, and of course, the Tahoe is offering the diesel engine option too, yep. which is a little bit more efficient. Actually, a lot more efficient. Oh, a lot more. Um, but um, once again, no electrification yet in the Tahoe yet. Now I drove the Yukon long yep. distance yep. with the diesel. Oh, remember that trip. That was fabulous. That was one of the best road trip vehicles I've ever driven. It had, you know, obviously in the air suspension, it had the most comfortable ride, incredible leather, and then it also had that diesel. And we were averaging extremely high, I mean, it's just ridiculous mileage in terms of MPG with that diesel. And that diesel was just happy to chug along. Now, the vehicle wasn't perfect, but we do have the story on TFL truck. Yes. And then... (coughs) And then, as you mentioned, uh, the Expedition, right? The Expedition is gaining some sales. It's been redesigned. Yeah. They've offered more trim levels. They're definitely starting to go into Maybe they're worrying um, GM a little bit with that Expedition. And then there's the new Nissan Armada that has recently been uh, refreshed. Still has the same power plant. So it still has that. uh, I love that V8. It's that 5.6 liter. 5.6? Endurance? Yeah, endurance. Yeah, endurance. That's kind of their marketing. Yeah, uh, which name we don't even it. use. But it, unusually, the um, Nissan Armada still has the older seven-speed automatic transmission. They had explanations for it and whatnot, but whatever. Uh, they still have they Nissan has a nine-speed, which is a great nine-speed that they're using in other vehicles. And I was kind of hoping it would go in the Armada, but the Armada has a base price of fifty-two thousand nine hundred dollars. Um, you get a lot of vehicle for the money. Uh, it's not the least expensive in the class, but it's among the least expensive in the class. And it also offers a great interior too. I mean, it's a, a really their updated interior looks beautiful. And then there's the old Sequoia, <laughs> um, which has been around longer than Tommy's been alive. I think fifty thousand four hundred dollars for the base model. Keep in mind, though, interesting thing about the Sequoia it is partially hand built. Uh, yes, it's one of the few vehicles, and it's built here in the United States, I believe. Right. Um, we are looking for getting a major update. We're going to cover that, actually, in just a little bit. Uh, then let's jump up to the Cadillac Escalade, which has a starting price of $76,195. Hold on, dude. Can yeah. I slow you down just a second? Slow me down. Um, because um, you mentioned the Expedition, Armada, and Sequoia. I wanted to make another point about the Ford Expedition. Please. Just, just for a second. Um, and, of course, we'll, we'll have some rumors down the line. Like, yes, like yes, 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 yes. But the expedition, I think, one of its secrets to, you know, increasing sales is also uh, available options. Yeah. Right? Like we mentioned, there is also the expedition Max, which, which, is, is, a larger, which is a longer wheelbase, mm-hmm. which is fighting against the Suburban, you know, right. for that maximum cargo space. Um, so you're, if you're actually looking for not just three rows of seats, but massive cargo capacity, it's a Suburban, Yukon XL, Expedition Max, and also the Cadillac Escalade Extended uh, right. version. Um, GM still seems to have the uh, market when it comes to uh, cubic feet space. Uh, so they are more spacious with the Suburban and, and its brothers. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty narrow, the difference between that and the Expedition Max. Yeah, so, and like you said, um, Ford is doing something different. They're not using any V8 engines. None. Um, Twin Turbo V6 is mm-hmm. basically what they're offering right now. For right now. And um, I, I guess I just want to tease this rumor. Because yeah, let's, let's it, say it, there's well, a couple things. Well, a couple things. Because uh, right now, um, a lot of uh, prototypes are running around. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are seeing the updated or the next update 
or the facelift for the Expedition prototype running around. And they have slightly different styling, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, what is underneath? I'm thinking hybrid, first of all. That would be the smartest thing Ford could do. Ford has a platform right now that uh, Andre has under his truck, the F-150, that has a hybrid setup that is actually very efficient and extremely utilitarian. There's two different variants, basically, right? And you have the larger battery, so you can actually do a lot more charging with your truck. Well, uh, yeah, so the F-150 comes with a 1.5, basically, kilowatt-hour battery, right. which is, by electric vehicle standards, it's small. Yeah. But for a hybrid, it's decent size, actually. Right, That's a, it's a good size, uh, and, and it works in a couple different ways. Yeah, and also, so it helps, first of all, fuel efficiency. It also adds acceleration because it boosts your power. Right. Um, it's basically an electric motor that sits inside of your 10-speed. It, it's sandwiched um, between the engine and the 10-speed. Exactly. And also the um, export power, where you can charge things with it, right? Mm-hmm. Up to 7.2 kilowatts of power. So why not put it in an expedition? It's the smartest thing they could do because suddenly they would have an expedition that leads the class, at if least for gas engines. For gas efficiency uh-huh. and also for charging your toys and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you imagine being able to have that type of charging with an SUV? It makes total sense. So... We don't know for sure if Ford is working on it, but it makes absolute sense that they would be. But there, Andre, is another platform that they could be using in the near future. It's already there. All they have to do is basically drop the Expedition shell on top of it, and boom, they've got an electric. Could you be thinking of a Lightning? Why not? I mean, think about what Ford's doing. Now, remember, when you invest to, to develop this technology, you want to use as much of it as you can so you can recoup your costs. So wouldn't it make sense to have that Lightning platform, perhaps with a slightly different battery, perhaps with slightly different capabilities, but then you take an Expedition shell, you know, basically three-row SUV, and drop it on top of it and throw another name on it, call it the Expedition Lightning, whatever. It makes total sense that they would do something like this in the near future. Imagine their overall EPA numbers dropping way, way, way down because of this. So some people really do want a big SUV that's all electric. I'm willing to bet that you will sell a lot of them in California. Yeah, and also some competitors are coming in this space. They right? are coming. Uh, Rivian's yeah. got a three-row SUV coming. Exactly. Got, uh, uh, Hummer is Hummer's coming. Got, yeah, the regular Hummer, not the, the pickup truck. They actually have a Hummer SUV. SUV. Yeah, yeah. That has three-row seats, right? No, it does not. It does not have three-row seats, so no, but, Hummer loses. But but it's the same size and, and kind of heft, right? <laughs> or more 9,000 pounds of heft. Of, of heft. That's just crazy. Uh, but there's other comp- uh, competitors that are also bringing this out as well. And we know for a fact, and they've announced it, that Chevrolet is coming out with an electric truck, and it makes sense that they would share the platform and also have an electric version of some of their SUVs as well, which are more affordable than the GMC Hummer EVs. Yeah, because uh, GM announced, like you said, Silverado electric uh, truck, like the light-duty Silverado, right. to compete against the Lightning, mm-hmm. in a way. but we don't know anything about that other than that the Silverado Electric will have up to 400 miles of range. That's what they said. Which is actually a decent range, and, and they more did than say, others. Yeah, and they did say it would share some components with the GMC Hummer. Yeah, because like some of the chassis and batteries right. and platform. Ultimum batteries, I believe they're going to use. Or yeah, Ultium platform. Ultium. I never get it right. Okay, but here's the th- here's something really important. They're not the only car. Ford is not the only car company or truck company, I should say, that's building a new platform that could underpin new big SUVs. There is another one that is coming very, very, very soon, and we expect it to be a hybrid. 
we, are, we suspect they might have a twin turbocharged V6, and that is Toyota. And yes. The, yep. And the Toyota Sequoia currently has, uh, it is one of the oldest vehicles out there that has been built. Uh, as far as design, yeah. In terms of design, in terms of engine um, technology, you know, what Toyota has been doing for the past five, six years, just to kind of keep it interesting, is they've added new color combinations or and the TRD Pro version. Yeah, so they had to put some different shocks on it. And they just try to kind of liven it up and stretch it out until they have a new version. So we know that there is a new pickup truck coming, which is an all-new platform, F-Alpha or whatever. What are they calling it? TNGA-F. TNGA-F. The, the Dash-F. Yeah, yes. Dash-F. Sorry about that. Uh, which it, is Toyota's truck platform, basically kind of a frame-based platform that they can actually stretch or shrink right it's modular so they can yeah. actually make it fit everything from a tacoma the standard tacoma all the way tundra up to a tundra or sequoia or a sequoia yeah so it makes sense that they would share powertrains as well because well they currently do so it's possible that this new powertrain that we're hearing about from toyota could be under the next sequoia Absolutely, dude. And by the way, like you mentioned, currently the Sequoia starts at about $50,400. And um, actually loaded, um, it's more affordable than a lot of the competition because it's getting yeah. about 60000 after you add a bunch of options to it. So if you don't mind old tech, it's a smart buy because these things, well, they run forever. We get constant emails and notes and whatnot about people who have 250000 300000 miles on the Sequoia and it's still going strong. You know, very similar to what the Tundra, the old Tundras were doing. Yeah. Um, so keep that part in mind. But that's right now. So in the future, we are expecting some interesting... And by the way, Toyota hasn't confirmed uh, the next-gen Sequoia. Nope. We're working on a lot of kind of unofficial information and but people some of it's in the insider. industry. Yeah. yeah. Insider information, industry information, uh, which makes a lot of sense because... They're canceling or killing the Land Cruiser in the United States. That hurts. Which is official. Yes, it is official. They did announce that. So but they also there's said, a big gap there. Yeah, but they also said that they intend to keep the legend of that vehicle alive with upcoming vehicles. Yes. And that's all they said. Yeah, which is, which is cool if you read between the lines, but I which, we, we, which yeah. is what we have to do. It sucks being so, a journalist because you're trying to figure it out. But we do know something very important, Andre, and this is a fact. Here's the fact. Andre and Roman are going to, I believe, Texas. Dallas. Dallas. Well, HQ. It's in Texas. Well, it's just north of Dallas. It's a Toyota HQ. <laughs> Toyota HQ. So they're going to the Toyota um, factory proving grounds, heart in the United States, and they're going to see some interesting new vehicles. What they are has not been announced. This is basically come to Toyota, and we are going to surprise you. However, recently they teased the front end of the, the new Tundra, right? They did, yeah. with uh, little LED lights, mm -hmm. and uh, which means it might be a wide-body truck, which could, could be. be incredible. Uh, they also just recently teased uh, two little tiny images of the front wheels of a Tacoma, and they said two more updated Tacomas are coming mm -hmm. for 2022, which I think uh, what they mean is, and once again, I'm reading between the lines, right. is that they're kind of new packages and new updates to existing Tacoma, not an all-new truck. Right, right, right. But, Stretch it out again. But the Tundra is all-new. Yes. Uh, so, yes. going back to our SUV thing, Andre hopefully will be seeing what the new Tundra is, which means that some of that may translate to this upcoming full-size SUV, whatever they decide to call it, be it a Sequoia, Land Cruiser Part 2, who knows. Mm -hmm. And um, that's exciting because, once again, you're getting... Oh, 
And the Sequoia is rumored to be transferring factory to San Antonio, which means they could build more of them, which is which is really uh, important because that means Toyota is more serious about the space. They are indeed. I think that, well, first of all, we know for a fact that they're moving a lot of Tacoma manufacturing to Mexico. Yes. Uh, so there's room. extra room uh, exactly. there for Tundra and Sequoia, which will be... And by the way, I, I did say um, the... Sequoia currently is a little bit more affordable. It's true, but I'm looking at the Platinum model right here, Sequoia 2021. It's about 66450 but it's still way less <laughs> than the base price of a Wagoneer. Two-wheel drive. Two-wheel drive, or some of the prices of fully loaded Tahoe or Expedition. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you know, bear in mind that the prices on these vehicles will drop the older they get. Usually that's the case. So we know about those vehicles. Now, there are a couple other things that we should talk about. Yes. Um, people out there are wondering about other brands bringing in large frame-based SUVs. And there are some other rumors out there that other companies are trying to get into the United States with clones of large Land Rover Defenders um, or even Range Rovers that have been completely redone. There's a whole bunch of this stuff out there. So keep in mind that these aren't the only vehicles we're talking about. There's a huge, huge chunk of people out there that really want a frame-based SUV that is really a truck that has solid axles and off-road capability. Out of the trucks that we just talked about, the Tahoe Expedition, Armada, and all that, None of these are super, super capable off-road. The Lexus LX570 has the potential, but you get it with really big wheels and a lot of extra crap hanging out on the bottom of it. And like a, kind of a compromised approach angle. That, because, well, exactly. Yeah, my be, point. because of the, uh, chin the, the grill and chin spoilers and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, all of that takes away from its off-road capability. However, it is baked in there. Uh, the Infiniti QX80, well, I mean, it's a Nissan Armada, basically, but... Both of those have been civilized, and as such, they have really large wheels, and they're a lot lower and have other stuff hanging down, which, you know, steps and whatnot, which are great for people who need to get in and out of the vehicle, but they're not great for off-roading. So it kind of leaves a bit of a gap um, in terms of being able to buy something that has three rows that's seriously capable right out of the box. And I am curious to see if Jeep is able to have a Wagoneer, Grand Wagoneer, that is capable right out of the box for off-roading. I saw no off-road packages on the configurator. Not like a Rubicon wagon. Right, 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 right. Or, or right, some sort right. of special. No red tow hooks, damn it. Well, that's a that's a designation that wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't there. They did have regular tow hooks, but you know, so that is one of the many questions. Yeah, they have a, a well, electronic uh, locking limited slip rear diff. That's that's good. Um, well, so here's the thing. I just want, you you're kind of talking about like the customer base for these vehicles, mm -hmm. right? What do they prefer? So I think uh, basically the customer base for these, and in many cases, luxurious, uh, three-row truck-based SUVs, first of all, big families, right? Yep. People that need to carry people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In <laughs> and, comfort. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Many also, of them tow. And tow trailers, for example, a, a large boat. Or uh, a camper trailer, something, yeah. something like that. Many of these SUVs can tow between seven, eight, nine thousand pounds, even up to ten. Up to ten thousand pounds. Um, so you can, you know, your Forerunner is not going to tow ten thousand pounds, right? <laughs> no, and your it, Highlander is not going to do it. Not comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those vehicles, uh, like the Highlander or an Explorer, they can tow between five and six thousand pounds. Right, right. So this is where you need that truck capability in an SUV. 
Um, and, and also, so off-roading is kind of adjacent to that, right? Like you mm. said. Um, and uh, Ford is rumored to have, remember the Explorer uh, Timberline? That came out, we just did just, a thing just on that, what, about two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, there, the Ford is rumored to do an Expedition Timberline. Uh, so basically a slightly more, they have an FX4 model right now yeah, for the Expedition. Yeah, which we've taken the Moab before. And by the way, Tahoe has a Z71. Yes, and we've taken Yukon that off as well. Yukon has an AT4. Yep. And we've tested that as well. None of those are in my book as being super capable. They're kind of capable. Yeah, and actually what Tahoe and Yukon are doing, right, they now also have air suspensions. Yes. Where you can lift them up and actually get more ground clearance. Which helps a lot. But they don't have proper rear lockers. they got this weird electronic rear locking diff now, which is still uh, automatic as opposed to allowing the driver to do it. Yeah. Um, there's There are some you know minor issues. They are coming with beefier, chunkier tires because that's what you guys want. You know, things that look like they're capable off-road but really are very comfortable on-road. So my point has been that, you know, it's they're, they're almost there, but so these vehicles are still, they're huge. They're just massive. So off-roading with a lot of these is probably a no, you know, it's no starter. You're but, not going to do it. But also I think it's about image. Right. right, and I'm actually showing. If if you're listening to us, obviously you can't see, but the Cadillac Escalade behind us is, um, it's about you know status, showing your status, showing your you know the image of your SUV, mm-hmm. um, and you know the more off-road, let's say the eighty four Yukon, right? Yeah. It looks. You may never take it off road, but it looks but like it looks it cool. Could. Yeah, it does it look. Looks, it, it looks yeah. cooler than a regular one, that's for sure. Right, or a Z seventy one Tahoe. It looks right. cool. You know, people. I've seen people actually add like Dura tracks to it. Yeah, like or minor tires. lift, or even lights. Uh, lights yeah, so so that's important, of course. Um, yeah. Well, this uh, Cadillac Escalade. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and the Escalade is the best selling Cadillac amongst all the Cadillacs that they build right now, and it has been for years. I think in many ways it sort of saved Cadillac because it's given them some flexibility to bring out cars that frankly haven't been that popular. So now they have a new design. I, I'm not a big fan personally. I don't know. What do you think of that new design on the uh, Escalade? I um, so they went with this horizontal um, headlight, right, and a giant grill and I a mean, giant it's grill. It's all grill and, in front. And I'm not in love with it. You know, I think the Yukon is still the best design they have. I agree 100. percent Yeah, because it has more square lights. Squarish. It, it, it looks more macho. They, and proportional. Yes. To, to itself. In fact, I think that GMC in general has the best styling. This is my opinion. Amongst all of the GM truck products out there, I think that GMC has managed to pull off what I think is the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, recently, Andre and I did a video where we took a Chevy Silverado 2500 off-road against a Ford Tremor, just to kind of compare them. They're both tow, trucks that can tow. And we were doing mild off-roading just to show. And what's interesting is that uh, a lot of people were sort of, um, not sort of, they were rather displeased with the design of that vehicle. And I would say that Chevrolet is very polarizing. Cadillac is almost too much. It's almost too much on one side of just like really in your face. And I think that GMC really cuts the difference between the two of them. What do you think? I, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Now, it looks like uh, you've got the Infinity on there. I, I've got the QX80. Um, so, by the way, the Cadillac starts at about 76000 Right. QX80 uh, starts at about 69000 But once again, you won't find these prices at the dealership probably. <laughs> Not right now, at least. Or, or at least ever, because these are base two-wheel drive prices. As soon as you add more equipment, more, more features... Drive. 
you know, autonomous, you know, modes, some of these vehicles are now getting more and more advanced. Yeah, the Cadillac Escalade has supercruise. Yes, uh, prices go up yep. in a big way. Then, of course, so the QX80 is actually an Armada, just a little bit more fancy. A lot more fancy, actually. Well, well yeah. It's it, wearing fancy clothes. It's and uh, it has a tuxedo in a way, a little bit, <laughs> and you know the um, and this is not made up. This is true. Uh, it's extremely popular in Southern California, and uh, a, a majority of the people who buy the QX80 are women. Now, this is based on two different polls that I read, and I was surprised at first. And I brought a few home, and the recent one I brought home, my wife really enjoyed too. There's something about the styling, the interior especially, that really appealed to her. I didn't quite get it because I'm an ape, and I just well, don't have the mental capacity. Well, I don't think we will ever find out. No, we will never find out. But <laughs> nonetheless, this is a really popular vehicle in California. And it's kind of funny because it is based on the Armada, which is based on the Nissan Patrol, which is a proper, hardcore, off-roader. off-road truck. Yes. You go to Saudi Arabia and you find these things built up. They're flying over dunes and are terrifyingly capable. And then you have the softened version for the United States, and it's kind of unusual, I guess. Uh, oh, and now you have the Lexus. Speaking of uh, refined, uh, yeah, Lexus and they're even LX. showing it doing a little bit of off-roading, which notice that... And <laughs> flexing its suspension up and down. Which is slower than I think. And we've done this. Yes, we've, we've taken an LX off-road, and obviously it's based on the Land Cruiser, which is a very capable vehicle. Indeed it is. Uh, as it is. Uh, but, of course, the Lexus... You know, it compromises some of the approach departure angles like we With talked all about. That, see that stuff hanging down there? Yeah. Now, if you're not watching, the thing that Lexus did is they wanted it to look like other products that they build. As such, they have that giant, have you ever seen Battlestar Galactica, Cylon uh, <laughs> nose? And it has like a jutted chin that kind of pops out. And then it also has steps on the side. And that affects, you know, the approach and breakover angle quite a bit. And then they also added these massive wheels to it. And the thing is, is that the larger you go on wheels, the less sidewall you have, the less sidewall you have, the less chance you have of being able to air down properly for serious off-roading. And, on, you know, yet, it's just, yeah. Yet it's also kind of, you know, uh, slightly used Alexis are now becoming more popular. The, people are actually making them into projects. Yes, we've seen quite a build, few. Building well, them especially up. the GX model. Yes, and also some Alexis. I've, some I've of seen, the Alexis. I've seen Alexis yes. Yeah, we've seen some specialties that have been done by like these you know, they're putting different shops. bumpers on them, yeah, lift kits, everything that, that they need to no longer. They kind of delexify the Lexus, yet they keep the interior and make them just way more off-road worthy. But the thing is, the minute you do that, you weigh them down and make them a little less efficient. And they don't handle as well, so there's always a trade-off. But it's an interesting thing to see. I'm really glad you brought that up. And so far as we know, the Lexus LX570 will stay in the Lexus fleet for the foreseeable future. They haven't mentioned anything about getting rid of it. Not yet. Co- correct. And rumors are that it's going to be redesigned. Yes. So, yeah. So and we'll, you we'll actually have it. did a video on both, well, technically that and also the uh, next generation Land Cruiser. But those, at least Land Cruisers for overseas, and that's the 300. Yeah, the 300 series Land Cruiser will be available in the rest of the or other markets. Yeah. Right. Australia, Asia, some other markets. Pretty much everywhere else that people are, are liked, we're not. So yes. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, hopefully that platform or whatever architecture they're using, powertrain and all that, may wake its way over to the next Lexus LX or whatever they're going to call it. I think in the near future, that's a very good possibility. But there's been no announcement for, from Toyota or Lexus. 
And then finally, in this segment, uh, we're talking about more luxurious SUVs. There's a Lincoln Navigator, not to That's be forgotten. That's an interesting one. Yeah. And once again, uh, you know, we're not spending a lot of time on, like you said, on the Mercedes GLS no. or uh, the Range Rover, the big Range Rover. Right, which, uh, which do compete, but we're, we're really talking about trucks. Yeah, like truck frames that can be, you know, lineage can be taken directly to a pickup truck. Precisely. Um, so that's what we're focused on. And the Lincoln Navigator, of course, is there. Um, it could also be electrified, by the way. That, that one so, might come first. Be, yeah, because it is this luxury model. Right. And Ford straight out said that they are moving towards electrification uh, in the very near future. And they're, they're starting to prove it because they're actually having products pop out now. So the thing about the uh, current Navigator, and I believe I'm still right, is that it has one of the most powerful EcoBoost engines you can get. Yeah, and this is kind of a quote-unquote Ford Raptor high output twin turbo V6. Right. Um, so, yeah, so those, uh, it's it's good power. Oh, it's really good power. 450 horsepower. You wouldn't be saying that if you didn't already drive the hybrid, which is faster. The hybrid yes. is ridiculous. So, once again, see, you know, the Grand Wagoneer is thrown down the gauntlet with right. 470 horsepower plus. Uh-huh. So, I think Lincoln and others have to answer. Uh, and why not? Well, the Corsair profile. already has the uh, hybrid setup. The big difference between the Corsair and your truck is the fact that it just doesn't have all that extra power that it leaks out and allows you. Yeah, to and also use. the Aviator now has also oh, the, the hi- yeah. hi- also the kind of a different version of the hybrid system, right? Right, but so, they, they all are the same principle, which is your gas engine in front and then in between an electric motor, and then you have your transmission. So the electric motor is sandwiched in between. Yeah. So. Uh, before we move on, um, well, actually, we kind of talked about the Hummer EV already. Yeah, we did mention it. Um, and some others. So I think this space will see more electrification for sure, mm-hmm. like we've said, uh, because, well, first of all, it's the segment where you can introduce new tech because it's a higher price point. And right. A lot of people may be, uh, you know, just welcoming of that, right? Um, so, but... You know, we still don't know what Stellantis will do for electrification, right? Well, they announced, uh, now this was official, this came directly from Jeep, uh, from the president of Jeep, or the, the head honcho. Uh, he said that Jeep will become, will his words, will become one of the greenest purveyors of SUVs in the United States. And that was recently okay. announced when we were at the Easter Jeep Safari. They, and they were showing their 4xE, they were showing charge stations. At the same time, they're showing us a 392 dropped in a Wrangler, and they're mentioning this massive Jeep Grand Wagoneer with a 6.4 liter in it. And so, you know, it's like, okay, you guys are talking about going green, and you're still slamming really, really powerful engines in your vehicles. So I'm not faulting them because I love it, but the other side of it is when are they going to do this? And I think what they've done is this is a stopgap measure. They're just using what they've got, put it in there, and they have platforms out there that will go, I believe, right into these vehicles. I don't think it's that simple. I think there's a lot more to it. But we do know for a fact that they are testing out a lot of different SUVs with 4xE-like setups. So these are uh, PHEV vehicles, plug-in hybrids, and we've seen them all over testing. Yeah, we saw Grand Cherokee, the next version, prototype, In the mountains, it was silent when it was driving. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was pretty obvious that there was also an extra uh, door on it to allow uh, for a plug. So all this makes total sense. I mean, you, you want to take your investment and make it grow as much as possible to get a return. So it makes sense that the 4xE, that's currently the Wrangler, which we've already tested and it's already been proven, 
would that platform or similar type of platform, I'm talking just the electronics and the engine and whatnot, would find its way into other vehicles, especially because it's really high powered. So it makes sense that we would see something like a Wagoneer or Grand Wagoneer with that powertrain in the near future. They have not announced it. However, they did announce that Jeep would be using electrification in all their vehicles in the future. So that includes a lot of other stuff, including these two big trucks. And they're big trucks, I mean, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And the real question is, how far are they going to go? That's something we don't know. Are they going to go PHEV? Are they going to go full electric? We don't know. Or both. They might, I, I think they might go both ways. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. But I think they'll try both things, and you know, we'll see which one works. I think that the most logical thing for them to do is come right out. They obviously have the 6.4, and that'll be a limited time. And then they're going to replace that 6.4 with a much more powerful electrified hybrid unit. That's what I'm guessing. And then those people on the youth market will be seeking out that Hemi and wondering, you know, how can I get one? Uh, yeah. One of us might be seeking it out. There. I think it's be pretty cool buy, even though gas prices are probably going to be prohibitive. So while we wrap up the yeah. show, I want to put ourselves on the spot here. Okay, let's do it. So, so, so we can't talk about if we like the Wagoneer because we haven't driven it. Haven't driven it. Tommy and so, Roman have had a chance to kind of look all over and, and climb around them. Right, right, but that's it. Uh, but we've driven most other vehicles, of course, other than the Hummer EV um, and the Lightning. We haven't we haven't been in. Right. So as far as let's not talk about the luxury ones. Um, let's talk about the more kind of common ones as far as like the, the Tahoe Expedition or right, right. Uh What's your favorite amongst? Like, what would you just be drawn to? Just in, with current stuff, not the future tech. We're talking. Yeah, about. the current stuff. The the stuff you can go out right now and actually get. Okay, so one of the reasons why I like the Nissan Armada is because you can get a lot of stuff on it for cheap. The base price doesn't really indicate how cheap it can actually be. Um, you, put, you get a four-wheel drive version of that vehicle with some of the lower packaging, and you'll get a lot more truck for the buck. And I absolutely adore that V8. Um, and I like the fact that it's well screwed together. It's one of those things that people tend to forget. It's, in my mind, as good as the Sequoia, easily. The Sequoia is just reliable as hell it just has such a good setup on it and also big it's big it's they're, they're, yeah they're all big i, I think the sequoia feels bigger than the armada uh so at the end of the day with my own money if it were my cash on the line yes it would be difficult for me to choose between a tahoe and a nissan armada those would be my first two choices among those two okay the, the uh, Tahoe, I, I mean, I would try to What engine go, in the Tahoe would you be diesel, leaning? Diesel, the of diesel. course. Okay. I think that that diesel, if they shoved it in every damn truck out there, it'd be great. Now, imagine that diesel is a hybrid. Oh, my God. It's not going to happen anytime soon. But no, that, it'll be too complex, maybe well, too maybe. expensive. Well, you can come up with something. Andre, fix it. Sure. <laughs> so um, I, I, I do want to say that my choice would be dependent on, of course, certain powertrains. Yeah, the Chevy Tahoe with the diesel and the four-wheel drive... If I could somehow make that all work, it would be way too expensive, but it would be absolutely epic. So there's there's my choice. Okay. So you. for me, first of all, um, looking at the luxury versions, like the Navigator LX, QX, and Escalade, uh-huh. uh, I wouldn't go for that because I know 
Uh, there are other vehicles like them that are a little bit more affordable. Yeah, a lot more affordable. So That's really just in their same families. Exactly. Right? This is so, just about image. Yeah, so I wouldn't go for that. Uh-huh. Uh, I would go, um, and I kind of said it already. I love the Yukon style. Yeah, the style of the Yukon. It's I like it a little bit more than the Tahoe and some others. Um, I see what you're saying about the Armada because it does have. A, actually good value for uh-huh. what you're getting it's really really good or you said truck for the buck yeah i did this are you gonna are you gonna coin that i think we need a t-shirt Tr- get get the best <laughs> truck for your buck that's that's not bad i i'm, I'm happy i came up okay. with that okay um so you know i would configure it should i get the 84 you know the 84 is a little bit more expensive because you have to get a lot of other stuff to get the 84 and it's it's more expensive than the tahoe getting the z72 package <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Z71, sorry. Um, But still, I love that Yukon style, so I would say I would get the Yukon, probably diesel. Yeah. Um, But I will configure it not quite high-end, and maybe throw some meaty tires on it later. That, yeah, that is a possibility, but but with the, the uh, Tahoe, you do get that off-road package, which gives you the different bumper and some updates underneath and everything else. And that, if I can get it with a diesel and absolutely make it a base price vehicle, I would be pretty happy with. But I know I'm going to be spending seventy grand at least with those updates. That engine is not cheap. Although, although compared to some of the competitors, up, upgrading to a diesel is actually not uh, expensive. That's something that GM has done very well. But I do, you know, I would float between the Yukon and the Tahoe, which one I would actually get. The Tahoe, as I said, the off-road package is the most compelling amongst this group, which yeah. is what I want. And then the diesel. So if I combine those two, I get, I'm getting almost everything I want. Totally. That's really cool. So it's interesting that we kind of both lean GM on this one. Which is really weird because uh, there's a lot of stuff out here that I wouldn't touch that is also GM. So, but also... Nathan, what, how about this? Okay. If we do this show again in about, I want to say 10 months. Okay. Early 2022, mm-hmm. when hopefully there is a new Sequoia, mm-hmm. when hopefully there's other expedition models and other vehicles available. We revisit this. We revisit this because I would be very, very curious about the next Sequoia. I am, I'm very curious. I, it's it's a fascinating vehicle because... It's been around for so long, and Toyota but, I mean, knows. The only reason why I wouldn't get one now is because the interior feels a little bit outdated. Oh, it's extremely outdated. And, and it's thirsty. Yeah. No, that, that, that big 5.7 liter is nice, but it's a really thirsty vehicle. Well, the, 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 the transmission and all that, it's just, none of it lends itself to being very efficient. Nothing about that vehicle. Right. Is. So the next one, if it's more efficient, high-tech... That would be sweet. It could think, be an absolute be, game changer. Yeah. You know, Toyota doesn't enter something. You know, they're really pragmatic. And they're, they're practical about this thing, and they take their time researching the hell out of something before they come out with it. So they're not going to replace this without having a real game plan. So it's going to be a hell of a fight. Actually, I think Nissan's going to be the one who might lose out on this if they don't seriously update their truck. Well, Nissan, um, yes, they offer gr- great value. But once again, Armada is not available in the Pro 4X off-road model. Which... Which, which they should, even though nobody, nobody has to take it off-road. No. But just because it looks macho and cool, uh, I think they should do it. Lift it two inches, put on proper tires, give it a locking rear diff and armor. That's all I'm asking. And hybridize it. You know, make it well, something yeah, else. Uh, at this you point, know, yeah, Nissan's going to have a tough time doing that. They don't really do hybrid very much. So, all right, guys. So there you have it. Hopefully this helped you, uh, you navigate the <laughs> waters. Navigate. 
Uh, okay, I, uh, no, I know. Uh, or cruise these waters. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I, thank you guys very much for joining yeah. us. We do appreciate it. And, yeah, there's a lot more coming, but we wanted to kind of throw it out there. Frame-based, proper, truck-based SUVs are not only here, but they look like they're here to stay. And maybe even increasing in popularity. That's crazy. Strangely enough. I know. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.